0: your home for community
1: Radio. good morning everyone good morning and Harry thanks for playing playing that song to kind of bring bring the spirit uh, to to the to the present and again unity is key and certainly we, we can see from well global issues historical issues uh your sense of what history and her story is that this hit unity should not just be a affirmation or a moral objective but we really need to make it a reality in our daily walk so today in terms of uh, our daily walk we really had the pleasure of uh, chatting with Tammy Denise who kind of fits into that that paradigm in terms of she's the outreach director for the for the Connecticut Freedom Trail and what does it mean in terms of this path that we all are walking in terms of our lifestyle our beliefs our history our our our, our predilections our biases our 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 our, 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 our demonic inst- instincts but also our angel instincts so just how do we weave in uh, the sense of using history to, to uh, inspire us to pursue our better angels versus uh, dealing with uh, despair and dystopia. So, Tammy, good morning. And and again, Tammy Denise is with us and she's going to share with us what the Connecticut Freedom Trail is all about. And it's it's not just a, a, a November experience. It's a 24-7, 365 I'll say African Genesis experience uh, here in Connecticut, but also when you hear her talk about the Connecticut Freedom Trail, I think you'll see the interconnections of the international relations of Connecticut, Internet, actually the international relations of everyone, wherever you might be on the planet. Uh, and Tammy, just before I kind of ask you to kind of share with, with us about the Connecticut Freedom Trail and upcoming events and how people can get involved, share with us a little bit about your, 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 your origin story in terms of what, you know where you were born. I'm also always curious when I chat with people about what kind of stimulated them. What what they can they reflect upon that kind of caused them to be in the space right now where they are. I'm just curious if there's something in your background, one or two events that kind of, that you can kind of um, assess the tea leaves of why why you are now uh, at the Connecticut Freedom Trail, and also before. And I'm going to ask you also down the road about your. Your, your production experience. you're, you're, you're imbibing and, and and demonstrating and illustrating what uh, black history is in terms of your performance art. But uh, share with us a little bit, a little bit about your, your, your particular origin story because uh, I, I think it's a, it has to be a fascinating thing to hear.
2: Oh, well, good morning tom thank you so much for having me today uh, my origin story um starts in columbus mississippi i'm a transplant from there i came here as a tween um i knew my great-grandmother who was in formerly enslaved and she lived to be 125 her name hmm. was mary johnson and so that's basically where my origin story starts she was one of the first women in my world and then my grandmother the both of them were storytellers my mom And so in reality, I'm only three generations away from enslavement, Mm -hmm. which when you think about it, it's not that far away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. so uh, my great grandmother passed away. Uh, Mrs. Mary Johnson passed away in 1975. So um, I grew up hearing these stories. I remember her talking about the little bighorn, her experience during the Civil War when the um, great surrender happened in May of 1863 in Columbus, how she fed the horses and the soldiers. So I've always had a vivid imagination, always had. A great respect and um, love for history because when she spoke, she was living history, and mm. she was able to help us have those visual pictures. So that's basically my origin story is how it how it got started was there.
1: Great, great. And so, uh, do you recall? And I really appreciate you talking about your your family DNA and how that's kind of still in your spirit and how you manifest it. Um, the, so let's let's jump to the Connecticut Freedom Trail. You were be, before you became outreach director for the and then again, Freedom Trail, you were still doing the Freedom Trail work without without that without that particular brand. And in fact, so let, let, let's so share with us about your production company a little bit before we go into your 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 state your your state sanctioned job part time okay. job.
2: Um, My production company is called Hidden Women. Uh, The Hidden Women Stage Company, there as the executive artistic director, I focus on bringing uh, women to life that has been lost or hidden in history, ergo the name Hidden. Um, And I focus on these women who have contributed just as much to the building of um, the society as those who are very well known.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: You kind of society has you think that only three or four people in the black community has done it all and in reality that's not true and we can actually name those three people without even thinking mlk Mm -hmm. frederick Douglass, harriet tubman and or possibly sojourner truth and with my upbringing in, in mississippi i always knew about these unsung heroes so when we came here to the east coast um it was the same three possibly four people And that saddened me. So I wanted to help others in the community to learn about those who were hidden. And so that is the basis of the theater company um, that I started, um, oh, my goodness, over 20 years ago.
1: Indeed. So, so, And again, just before we go to the Freedom Trail, share with us a few of the names of the the, the, the heroines that you've portrayed and and talked about. And again, so people might want to Google those names or even reach out to you uh, to get more information or maybe even invite you to kind of perform.
2: All right. Um, The website is hiddenwomen.org. The very first person that I portrayed was Bessie Coleman. She was the first internationally licensed female pilot, and she was two years before Amelia Earhart, but yet Amelia Mm -hmm. still gets all of the shine. Mm. Uh, Elizabeth Keckley, dressmaker to Mary Todd Lincoln and president of the Freedmen's Association. Um, She and Harriet and Sojourner actually did some things together through the Freedmen's Association. Um, There is Sarah Magu. She is our Connecticut connection. She was one of the four children aboard the Amistad schooner. Mm. Um, There is Elizabeth Mumbet Freeman. She was the first woman, the first enslaved person to get her freedom through the form United States. And her petition that was filed in 1781 would be the basis for the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm. And uh, 82 years later, then there is Belinda Royal or Belinda the African, which is uh, how she was uh, most most well-known she is out of uh, massachusetts also And her petition that is still on the tufts web that is up on the tufts website is the basis for reparations mm. uh, for descendants of enslaved people and there's a few others so i do all together of about nine different women but you can find them not all at the same time <laughs> individually <laughs> i tried that once and oh yeah the brain was a little scrambled so i only want uh, one at a time but if you go to the website, you can see the other women that I do. I'm
1: I'm so I'm so pleased. You, well, I'm, it's always good to see you. And also, I want you to kind of when we uh, move down the road a little bit in terms of the show, share with us. Last time I saw you in person here in New Haven at the yes. for the for the Armory. But when you mentioned Bessie Coleman and Amelia Earhart, I'm so. Next month is Women's History Month. But I for, But I'd like to remind people that we have as much. It's Black History Month this month. But next month. Is Black History Month, also all
2: year round. three hundred and sixty-six days. So there you, there you go.
1: So I'm so glad you mentioned B- Bessie Coleman, and I can see the picture of her and uh, e- e- etc. with with the aviator th- uh, head on. Uh, oh, back there. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, back back there, and just just in my mind, just just knowing. Yeah. Knowing a little a little bit about her. Uh, so so let's jump to the Connecticut Freedom Trail, and and just if you can, uh let's give a, a really somber and and salutary salute to uh, Al Martyr in that context as well.
2: Yes, Um, in 1995, August 1995, uh, uh, Mr. Al Martyr, as well as then Senator Tony Hart, who would later become the mayor of New Haven, they petitioned the General Assembly and the General Assembly made it a law that the Connecticut Freedom Trail has to exist. And a year later, September, 1996, it opened in about 60 towns with about 30 sites and up today we're upwards to 170 sites in 70 towns. And what the freedom and the reason Freedom Trial was established was to be able to tell the stories of struggle and dignity of those in the Black and African American communities. And there's four categories. And it just doesn't talk about the struggle, it talks about the resilience and the mm. determination um, to make sure that our contributions were counted and that we also benefited from our own contributions. Um the four categories is the Amistad. Underground Railroad, civil rights, and sites of conscience, and um so there's public sites and private homes. A lot of these places, a lot of the site consists of private homes, but they were homes that were inhabited by abolitionists, newspapers, activists, and so on. And so that was why they're on the Freedom Trail. But we have public sites as well, um that um includes the Freedom Trail and that tells those. Stories. And so, my job as the outreach director, one of them is to go into the community to educate the community about the Freedom Trial, let them know why it really exists and why it is so important that they know about the history of the Connecticut Freedom Trial.
1: And so, how can people find out about the Freedom Trail or kind of? uh, Well, we have a brand
2: new website and they can go to ctfreedomtrail.org is an interactive map that shows where the sites are located. It's also a, a website that educators, students, and anyone a lover of history can um, use. There's information there and it shows you all of the different sites so you can actually map out where you want to go to visit the Freedom Trail. Now Boston has a 2-mile Freedom Trail. Our Freedom Trail covers the entire state. Mm. So from top mm. to bottom side to side, you can enter that Freedom Trail somewhere and some some of it is driving, some of it is walking so just depending on what your map what, how you map it out mm-hmm. will determine on if you're going to be walking to certain places or if you're going to just drive, stop and get out and walk or go into a building.
1: Mhm. And, and we're going to talk about some of the the sites and the, also some of the upcoming sites because I believe here in New Haven you have some extra some additional sites on the uh, yes. on your on your radar screen. But I guess want to jump back to Al Al Martyr mm-hmm. uh, who just recently passed at 101 years old and uh, our former mayor and state senator Tony Harp, uh, as you know, I'm involved with uh, electoral politics here in New Haven officially, and I'm 3,000% understanding when someone says that government is sometimes an albatross rather than a solution. But again, for Al and Tony to bring this piece of legislation and to get it passed, we can still use our muscle. We shouldn't throw our muscle away or our belief that we could exercise and impact our, our public policy decisions. So just the fact that Al and Tony and others had that vision and the fight to fight and to make it happen, yeah. this is something that's that I just I must kind of remind folks that don't. It's easy to fall into despair. It's understandable to be de- de- depressed, but still, you know, there are people that have tried to give us inspiration. So the Freedom Trail is a is a is a lingering, sustained, evolving, and expanding. Um, Inspiration. So, you have an upcoming event, I think, at the State House next next week. Do I believe?
2: Um, that... Yes, we have several upcoming events. Um, next Friday we will have the discover. It's a collaboration of the Discovering Amistad, the Old State House, and the Connecticut Freedom Trail, and it talks about the narratives of. Uh, black descendants and how they there's going to be three descendants there jeffrey fletcher who is the owner and executive director of the ruby and calvin fletcher african-american history museum that's in stratford connecticut soon to also be in colchester um and then we have miss connie royster who is the descendant of judge motley uh, Baker Motley. And then we also have John Mills, who is our, our okay. genealogist. And John has been doing a lot lately to help with bringing out a lot of the history. So that's going to happen next Friday at the Connecticut Old State House, 800 Main Street in Hartford. And it's from three to five. And it will also be live streamed and put on Facebook as well, if just in case you can't make it in person. Um, March, March, uh, February 21st, we have um, the flag and plaque ceremony for the New England Air Museum because they are our latest site
1: mm-hmm. onto
2: the Connecticut Freedom Trial because of their permanent exhibit and education of the Tuskegee Airmen. Mm-hmm. They are our latest site. And so we will have Senator, hopefully Senator Blumenthal, and we will have Lieutenant Governor um, Susan vicewitch there as well That's a part of that ceremony. So it's open to the public. Hope you'll come out and join us to celebrate that.
1: And and I saw you most recently, or a few months ago, here in New Haven at, at uh, yes. Bethel, AME, Bethel AME Church, and right across the street from the Armory. What was that? I, I know I know we paid you big bucks to kind of come down and you renewed your passport to come into New Haven. What what, what brought you into our uh, humble uh, neighborhood on that particular day?
2: Well, on that particular day, it was. Um... That was actually due to Todd Levine. He had been trying for quite some time. We're trying to do a troll within a troll in regards to the Black Panthers. And Todd was able to um get, the armory put on and we're looking to put three other sites, the courthouse. Um, we're looking to get in touch with project more trying and haven't been able to. So hopefully if anyone's watching, I can, I can um, with that, yeah. they, you can help with that. And mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is to be able to tell the story and the legacy of the black Panthers and what was happening in New Haven at the time. So the armory is the first of those sites that was put on. And we presented the flag and the plaque to mayor Elliker um, early, late, summer, early fall, um, last year. So there's also one of our latest sites that's been added to the Freedom Trail. And,
1: and, and I bring that up so that people won't think that it, I mean, it's, it's, it's worthy just to kind of follow the, 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 the if, if you will, the old sites, but you're still rediscovering, rebranding. It's, it's a, our history is a living history. It's not uh, yes. a, uh, just an anachronism. So that, that's mm-hmm. why I, I mentioned, mentioned, so repeat those categories again, because I think I want people to see the, The the vibrancy and and the vision that you and and we use the term trail, but it's a it's a metaphor, but it's also a reality and it's also expansive.
2: Yes, it is. Um, The Connecticut Freedom Trail embraces the past. And so what I like to tell people, whether I'm performing or the outreach director, our past is always present. Because Mm. we're constantly learning new things about the past. Doesn't mean what we already know is inaccurate. It's just being expounded upon and we're learning more. So Mm. the four categories, again, would be the Amistad, Underground Railroad Connections, um, Sites of Consciousness, and Civil Rights. So again, things are always being discovered. There's new information always being found. So the Freedom Trail is constantly growing. It is not stagnant. It is going to continue to grow.
1: And and Tammy, if I could shift... uh... Not necessarily shift, but in terms of when you mention the words growing and sustaining and, and really serving the people, money kicks in. I mean, the, the governor just recently, uh, earlier this week, made his presentation about the, the state budget. What kind of do you do? You, I'll be, let me be direct. Do you need more money? What, what kind of support does does the Freedom Trail need uh, to kind of expand and, and what do you think you deserve?
2: <laughs> well, the Freedom Trail is, it comes through the Department of Economic um, Development and the State Historical Preservation Office. And so those are the, um the ones that's actually funding. But um, the Connecticut Freedom Trail itself, what we do is when we do public um, public speaking for corporations, um, they can make donations to um, Connecticut Democracy Center on behalf of the Connecticut Freedom Trail. So mm-hmm. that's basically how that can work.
1: Okay. And and so what would be the contact if there is a, a philanthropist or a business or, you know, I guess people sometimes have a uh under their their mattress and they're looking for or or wills to kind of make out what's the best way for them to contact you
2: um the best way would be um and what they they can contact me and i would just forward them to the people that it needs to be but it would be my long email tammy.denise at ctdemocracycenter.org
1: excellent excellent and you know i I appreciate your sharing that uh and even just mentioning the, the 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 state uh Departments that the Freedom Trail is is connected with, because this knowing how the system works and just even knowing the configuration, information is power. We hear that term; it's just used, but it it, it is true. It is true. So to know, to know where to fire, this is a bad analogy to turn to where to fire your bullet, but knowing where to kind of target tar, target your vision and your energy is key to be to being tactical and and strategic. Uh, uh, the shows are live so this is not just want everybody to know this is not a rehearse but speaking wow. of rehearsals Tammy should, <laughs> should, would you be willing to um, take two or three or four minutes and, and and put on the garb of one of the ladies that you that you've oh. uh, that you portrayed and just share with us a little bit it could be in the vernacular it could be in the the uh totonality uh, and again oh, this goodness. is you were not no, you're not prepared <laughs> for that but it just when I see you I, and when you mentioned the, the ladies, I, I just see that coming to me. I, and I, it's, I just wonder if I could impose upon you.
2: <laughs> okay, no pressure. Uh, let's see. February 24th, I will be at the New England Air Museum portraying Bessie Coleman um, at 11 and 1. But I can give you something quickly with Bessie as well as Sarah Margu, because I'll be in New Haven March 9th as well. Uh, for Bessie Coleman, uh, let's see. <laughs> that is how I feel each time I fly in that there sky. When I fly high in that there sky, I am free. I am free from discriminating restraints and there are no complaints. And then for Sarah Magu, <laughs> let's see, Sarah, oh, let's see. <laughs> my name is Sarah Magu. But before I was Sarah, I was Magu. I come from a place that is warm and tropical. I come from a place where I was loved. Me and my other siblings, and my father and mother, we were rice farmers. We were proud of who we were and what we did. Each day before the yard bird would crow, we would rise, get dressed, and make our way to the rice field there we would spend much time as a family there is where we showed love mm, mm,
0: mm, mm,
1: mm. thank you for that I, i'm i'm not going to ask you to do any more right now however but pr- probably when we get to t- 10, 20 minutes from now i want you to close out with somebody but let's oh, let's okay. jump let, let's jump to the little you mentioned the amistad and mm-hmm. people know you know sinke simsimbay they i think they can see the see the, for the uh, schooner, yes. but you mentioned a little girl. Yes. And yeah. I don't think people know that she wrote something. hmm And you can read about Phyllis Wheatley, you can read about Douglas, you can read about MLK, you can read about Alice Walker, you can read about any uh, Langston Hughes, but she wrote something that in my ah. mind is more important, is just as important and cogent And powerful than even the the one or two color purples that we've seen on the screen. I'm not picking on color purple. I'm not picking on the origin. I'm not picking on American fiction. But share with us a little bit about that, that young lady that had literacy. I mean, just the fact that she had literacy. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that um, I want people to understand, they were captives. They were taken from their homeland. And in their homeland, they had universities. They had different languages. They spoke different languages, had different skill sets. So they were not um, individuals who were swinging from trees in a jungle. They were in a tropical place, and they were very intelligent individuals who were snatched away from their homes and were supposed to be enslaved. But because of their determination and their sheer will to make it back to their loved ones and to their homeland, they were able to resist the conditions that they were forced into. Um, Magu, after um, she receives her freedom, along with the other um, enslaved Africans, she would go on to Oberlin College and Mm. she would be the first African to graduate college in this country. Mm. And so uh, and her favorite thing was to write. She was very good at writing. She wrote multiple letters um, back to her benefactor here um, in New York. She wrote to her teacher, Mrs. Branch. And so she was very One of the things that I like to bring out in her story is when they had to do the speaking tour and they had to travel Boston, New York, Philadelphia to raise the money to get back home. One of the things that she does is she reads and she reads from their religious book, which is Mm. the Bible, the Holy Bible, because at that time, as much as Farmington in Connecticut want to brag about the Amistad and how they were accepting, that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Not everyone was um, kind and generous to the Amistad captives, especially in Farmington. And so um, the... Mindset was in the community. All oh, the broad, the Africans with the broad foreheads and the wide noses—they can't possibly be intelligent, as we are. They can't. We have to teach them. We have to show them. But in reality, the um Mende captives and the surrounding area of Mende—they were far beyond what mm. anyone could even think of. And so when they did these speaking tours, which um they were supposed to speak about their adventure aboard La Amistad. That wasn't an adventure. Not by a long shot. These people mm. were fighting for their lives and they were fighting to get back home. But they turned that situation around to their benefit and they did what they needed to do to get back home. And because they, they taught them their version of science and how to read and write in their language and to and their religion, but they still had their own.
1: They still mm. had. Mm. Just a little bit more. Keep, 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 keep going on. <laughs> Because I mean, this, this, and and people forget. Sometimes think that the Amistad decision was a moral decision, but no, it was a, it was a commerce based decision. decision. It was an economic based decision. It was to keep harmony between you know Spain and and the U.S. But 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 say a little bit more about that about, about the young lady. It's so important. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, uh, let's see what else is there about Sarah. Uh, she's she's just a fascinating person. She she was divided between two worlds because. Mm-hmm. Um, she was captured and brought here at a time that was most important in her world where she was a part of the Sanday society and the boys were part of the portal society. Now, those are um, societies that you're not privileged to, if you're not in the culture, when mm. I was doing my research, um, Donald George, He uh, was very helpful in helping me to decipher some of the knowledge that I had, not so much the Sandy Society. And I will never forget this as long as I live how I felt when he was teaching me how to count in Mindy and he was giving me some basic background. And my first question was, tell me about the Sandy Society. I'm all excited because I want to learn more about it. And his whole continents changed. everything. He got very serious and he looked at me straight in my eye and it sent a chill down my spine. And he said, if I tell you, I'd have to kill you. That mm. was not a joke. And it was like, OK, I don't need to know all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know all of what needs to be known about the Sandy Society. What I do know is the basics is where the young ladies are taken by the other women, shown Shown whatever it needs to be shown and skills and things to help them be productive in society. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the uh, men in the portal. But again, we don't know a whole lot about the uh, rituals and things of that. And we should know because it's not our culture. It's not our heritage. So, mm-hmm. um but she would be torn between those two worlds because now she's in the Western world and she's been introduced into a whole different culture, yes. a whole different style of life. And so I try to balance her story where she knows where she came from. She knows what she's supposed to know. And she holds on to that for dear life while trying to still embrace the new information and the newness of what she's just discovered.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And and I appreciate your kind of uh Giving us the, the contextual comment because in today's world we hear we talk about well you know people talk to, the to, to boys about we wear the mask and now we have the the kids talk about uh, uh, coding you know the black code white code when yeah. you're in white spaces so this this trauma being this, this trauma torn <laughs> situation seems to still be, be to be be part of us and it, it makes sense that. Uh, I mean we hear about Timbuktu and Mali and I really appreciate your mentioning that the the lost libraries and and not to mention Egypt so it's just as we kind of celebrate and take a moment here in February about the 24 uh, 7 365 experience in the, in the globe I, I call it the African Genesis it's so I'm, so I'm so so glad you you referenced that knowledge was not just contained in one particular con- con- continent. Yeah.
2: Exactly. One of the other things that I um that's not really considered at large is how Africa is a continent and not mm. a country. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I do um speaking programs or even um educational programs, enrichment programs, I often hear how well Africa played a role in slavery just like everybody else, and so I have to help people to put that into context. Um, Africa is a continent. It is the biggest continent, or one of the biggest, and The United States as a country fits inside of Africa three times. Mm -hmm. The continent of Australia sits inside of it five times Mm -hmm. and there's 54 countries. So when you want to say Africa played a role, you have to put it in context and put it where it really belongs. When they went to war with the different tribes fighting with each other, those were prisoners of wars they were selling off. They weren't selling off their countrymen. Just the same as like when the Europeans fought, if you had Germans and French, or um, when you look at them, they all look the same to you open until they open their mouth and you realize they're not from the same culture. They're not the same people. So mm-hmm. when they when the Europeans fought each other and sold each other off into war, it, that's the same thing. So you have to put it on the same playing field and not just put Africa as a whole as being a part of the international slave trade, because that's not how it actually happened.
1: Excellent. We're we're chatting with Tammy Denise, Outreach Director for the Connecticut Freedom Trail. And and the name of your production company again, Tammy?
2: Is Hidden Women Stage Company.
1: Hidden Women Stage Company. And again, you can tell, Tammy, I'm kind of loose with my lips during the show. So I have nothing against Oprah and nothing against Gail and Nothing against Tavis, uh, you know, rest, I shouldn't say rest its soul, but, 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 your, but your production company is just as important from my standpoint. Talk to me about filming, I, just as a segue, um, what, what are your goals for the production company? Are you going to do some, some films? Are you looking to say some plays? Well, what's, what was what your, what is your, your, your inner griot tell you in this regard? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, 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 lift up uh, uh, the, the, the new, the, Tammy, the Denise uh, uh, prototype. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you. Um, One of the things that I've been doing with the um, production company is I'm taking the one woman shows and turning them into ensemble casts. Um, Mm. The first one I did that with was Elizabeth Keckley, um, Tailored Made Freedom or Freedom Tailored by Hand. Uh, Whereas I was doing it just as a one woman, I turned it into a six person um, cast and you got to see it a little bit more in 3D. And the reason I want to turn all of my one woman shows into ensemble casts is because I'm only one person. And Mm -hmm. when I'm done the story will end with me and they'll be hidden again. So my um, goal is to um, train others to take on these roles so that these stories can continue and never be hidden in history again. So that's one of the things that I'm doing. I've done a couple of individual uh, filming projects. I've done a couple of scissor reels. The last one I did was a couple of years ago. It's called the slave narrative of Willie May written Mm. by Franklin. And it is a story about her family and her grandmother that she knew and it talked about it's talking about the resiliency of the enslaved, especially the women, what they did and how they resisted their their situations and what they did to get out of it and what they would do to not return. Mm-hmm. And so right now that film is being um, shopped around that not film, but the sizzle is being shopped around to get more funding so that it can become a complete film.
1: Perfect. And if folks are interested and folks are If folks are interested in supporting that project, how do they uh, reach out to you?
2: Um, Again, you can reach out to me. Um, Actually, you would actually be reaching out to Ifray Franklin Arts because it's her film. Uh, But you could reach out to me and I will pass that information along. It would be tdenise at gmail.com or info at hiddenwomen.org.
1: Excellent. And and um, thanks for indulging me. But just when I see you, you're, you know you're you're a renaissance woman. So I, I just want people to kind of understand the context that you're just not the outreach director uh, for you. for for the Connecticut Freedom Trail. And, and no disparaging to the governor or the Connecticut Freedom Trail, uh, uh, which which is so key. Uh, we have about ten ten or fifteen more minutes. So as the spirit moves you and things kind of kind of come across your mind. Uh, uh, jump in. You you mentioned a March event here in New Haven. Is the schedule, are you looking even at some April and and May and June events as well?
2: Oh my goodness, yeah. There's several. Um, One way you can find the different events for the Freedom Trial is to go to ctfreedomtrial.org. We do have an event page. We are loading it as it comes in. Um March 9th, I will be at the Wadsworth Anthonyum at noon. And then March 9th at 3pm, I will be at the New Haven Museum, where I will do Sarah Magoo live there. Uh, there's some stuff happening in April, but I can't think of it right now. But for Juneteenth, there's a lot of Juneteenth events happening. I will be at the New London um, location of the Hempstead, Joshua Hempstead House for their Juneteenth event mm-hmm. the weekend of June 7th and 8th. I uh, will be there. And again, most of these events that's pertaining to the different um, Freedom Trial sites will show up on the event page of the Connecticut Freedom Trial.
1: Excellent, excellent. That's, when, when you mentioned um, scaling up and sp- sprinkling your talent and your gift to to the young people, do I hear you saying that you you're envisaging, or, or I mean, or, could there be some drama schools that are interested in supporting you? I, I'm thinking the Yale Drama School, in particular, and and, <laughs> so, and some some college and universities in terms of their drama clubs. Like, it's, do you see some uh, fertile ground uh, in Connecticut oh for goodness, folks? That, yeah, for folks. Come oh yeah, mm-hmm.
2: definitely. Um, It would be great to connect with these people. Um, I'm in the business of it's not what you know, but who you know. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. Um, Last year, I did get to work with the Eastern Connecticut State University Drama Department. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we'll get to continue that that uh, road that we started. Um, but I would love to work with other um, drama clubs and other universities. That would be great because that would help me to find the talent that's out there because a lot of times when I'm performing in person, I'll have people ask me, well, how can I get to do this? And I've offered to um, mentor people mm-hmm. and I've had people contact me and they're all gone and excited till they realize the work that goes into it, that what you see on stage is the end thing. It's what's behind yes. the scenes Yes, it's work. Is what makes it to the thing. And you have to be passionate about it. It can't just be, oh, I want to be seen because it's really not about us. It's about the narratives of our heritage that we're trying to preserve and keep going. So I think it would be easier if I had connections with drama clubs, because these are individuals who are in it because of the passion and they would want to actually stick to it and do the work that's necessary.
1: For sure. And, and, and I, just as you were talking to Tammy, I, my mind went to the various um the, the hip hop and spoken word community as, as well. So there's, there's a lot of fertile ground. If I, if I can be so bold and, 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 uh, you have complete carte blanche to disagree with me, but I, I kind of see your, your purpose, passion, your purpose, your passion and your product to be a, 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 a healing modality, a, Actually, psyche, it is. a psychic it is. healing modality.
2: It is because it's been proven that our DNA, meaning the Black and African-American community, has been altered because of the generational trauma that we've inherited. And one of the things that I think is very important that people understand, slavery is not our history. It interrupted our history, mm. but it is nonetheless still a part of it. And it's I like to tell our stories not from a trauma-based um, part of our history, but because it's there, you can't overlook it. You can't get around it. But I like to talk about the resiliency, the determination mm-hmm. and how we come from a people who were strong and determined and we made the best of our circumstances and our situation. And unfortunately, that generational trauma is definitely still uh, very visible today And that's because we don't know our history. We don't know where we come from. And oftentimes we as a community, we as a culture are told, oh, forget about that. Don't think about that. Oh, just sweep it under the rug. And we're the only group of people that are told to forget about that trauma. Mm. But yet others can remember that and learn from it and grow, whereas we're supposed to continue to remain stifled. And that's part of the problem with our community is that generational trauma. It has not been addressed. Mm. It has not. The skills have not been put out for people to know how to work through that trauma. It's similar to when a person comes home from war and this was before PTSD or PTSS was diagnosed Mm -hmm. or had a name they wouldn't talk about it because they didn't have the skills to talk about it. They didn't know. It's the same with us and our generational trauma from that interruption of our history. When our ancestors were first released from that bondage to a certain extent, um they didn't have the skill set they didn't have they didn't know how to talk about it so it's like let's not talk about let's just move forward but until it's addressed and it's dealt with we will only get but so far and those generational curses are there Mm. and they stay there until we address it we as a people address it and not allow society to tell us that it's not important that we need to just move on it really bothers me when i hear Those who have a platform, those that's in the community that have a platform, and I mean a Hollywood platform, a national or global platform, say, oh, no more slave movies. No, no, you can't say that. You know, there's plenty of Holocaust movies Mm. and Mm. they get the attention that they need, whereas we're once again told to swallow what we should be um, acknowledging and being able to address I visited the Holocaust Museum, and this was before the African-American Museum was complete. They, We mm-hmm. were there in the early part of the year, and they were opening in September. When I walked out of that museum, you felt the inhumanity that the people went through. Um, I have gone to other museums that touch upon our history, but it is, it is made to feel like it's okay. It wasn't that bad. I, that's not fair for our history and for our history, but yes, it was that bad and it Mm -hmm. needs to be addressed. It should not be a pacifying situation of, oh yeah, slavery was here, but it was okay. No, it was not okay. We're still dealing with the aftermath of that. So those are the types of things that when doing the performances, it is cathartic. It is healing Mm. because you get to see from the beginning of a family life, a beginning of love and unity you go through that difficult situation in that horrible institution of enslavement. And then you come out on the other side of victorious people, but yet that victory is often buried in mm. the trauma part because they won't let us get past it because we're not allowed to think about it. Mm,
1: mm, mm, mm. Thanks for sharing that. I, I'm just when you, you know, I'm just kind of I'm kind of my mind is full with what you've just shared uh, in so many ways. I'm tempted to ask and since this is a live show, I guess I have to ask since I said I'm tempted I mean, but we all have organic
2: have a lot
1: we all have a lot of temptations sometimes we try to uh, try to ignore them and uh, some temptations I guess are good. Talk to me about spirituality, your your perception, belief, uh, understanding, translation of uh religion, spirituality, uh, motivation, personal indwelling.
2: Uh, let's see. Well, huh? Well, I guess I have to do it on a personal level. Um, I grew up as a Baptist in Mississippi. Um, but when I got here many years later, I started to investigate and I became a Jehovah's Witness. Now, as a Baptist, uh, we would go to church all day on Sunday, the preacher would preach from certain passages, and what Got me away from being a Baptist was when my mom, she was a young mom. She had a stroke and she had two small children at home. Not one person from the church called. Not one person from the church came to visit. And she had two small children. She had a stroke, but she was fending for herself. But the deacon showed up one day with the tithing envelope. And, uh, that I'll never forget. I won't say what my mom said, <laughs> but, um, I could tell he was, he was scared even asking about, um, to, to tell me, to give me the, um, envelope to my mom. And so after that, that was the end of religion for us until I became a Jehovah's witness. But on a spiritual level, uh, we were always taught to fear God. We was always taught about Jesus, about his son. And, it goes from religion to spiritual and spiritual. Mm. The difference between religion and spiritual for me is religion is an institution that tries to govern and control and, and more or less moderate how a person is supposed to live. To me, spiritual is your connection with your creator, with mm. um, the higher, higher being. So that to me is spiritual. And even in the scriptures, it tells you to worship him in truth and spirit. And so that's, that's how I see it. And I try to make sure that I'm living my life by the principles in the scriptures and not the man-made doctrines that are introduced.
0: Mm, mm.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Thank, thank you for that. Uh, any questions for me? I mean, this is this you know, it's a, this is a two-way street. I know, I know, I, I I try to pass the mic to you, but I probably still hold on to it. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fully pass it on to you if if, if anything. Uh, And, uh, you know, I may or I may or I may not answer your question, but it's it's curious.
2: (laughs) No, actually, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to be on this particular platform because you do have a platform and you do have a voice and you do reach many others. So I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity to come into your world and to experience what it's like to... um, be interviewed by you because i followed you for quite some time and i have admired the work that you've done so thank you for this opportunity
1: well thank it, it, it's it's reciprocal and you're right i do have some tea leaves but i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, of a firm belief that again every every day in some ways is a a new day it's an eternal present but it's it's a new day so learning is just con- continual uh and I'm, I'm i'm finding that's really so true for me personally just uh recognizing what I don't know (laughs) or or we're
2: always learning. Yeah. Yeah. We're always learning. Each day is a new day to learn what you didn't know the day before. So Mm -hmm. it is always a new day. It's always, um, I always say it's great to be open to learning and not to be stuck Mm -hmm. in the same ways. There's always room for expansion. There's always room for growth. And I like to use the children as an example. Children Mm -hmm. are a clean slate. They are constantly exploring their own world. And you can take a child and put them in a situation that we were once in. We learned it one way, but that child will show you a whole do- different mm. way to learn it. And you still get value in that. So I mm. love working with young people and just ex- um, spending time with them. I have a 14-going, on 15-year-old granddaughter. And I she just brings me so much joy being in her world seeing her trying to maneuver life as a, a freshman and learning all of these things. and I just enjoy spending time with her and other young people. so there's always new things to learn and we can always learn from each other
1: Tammy, let, 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 let's uh, let, let's linger on that issue of chatting and communing with the younger generation well what what what, what would you like to say to some of the young people? Between ten and thirty, or what would you like to say to some of the young folks? I, I know you speak to them, but what what can we as adults? What should we what should we should we be saying and or doing and or being with our our new seeds? Because this is their world, and, and and the backdrop to my question is this tragedy that's going on in the in the Middle East, which is again in the evolving. It's been going on for some time, but this current tragedy has really set me back about the future of our world, but I'm just, what, what would you like to What What should we be saying to our younger folks or being with our younger folks or doing with our younger folks from your standpoint?
2: One of the things that I like when I'm talking with younger people or doing enrichment programs with them and the light bulbs go off when they learn various things about the past is how, when that light bulb goes off, to making connections to the past is how they start to formulate how they can make it work for them in the present mm-hmm. and well let's go into their future. Mm-hmm. Um one of the things I love to say to young people I love that they have that impulsive uh that passion, that impulsive mm-hmm. passion of wanting to learn. One cuz children are like like the sponges they are they, they've often said they mm-hmm. love soaking up the, the positivity. And so when I meet young people who have that energy, and sometimes I meet children who are not in the best of circumstances, okay. but that, that passion is still there, that light is still there, I try to encourage it. I try to get them to focus on that which is burning brightly inside of them and to not let outside influences douse that flame. That's what I try to help the young people to stay focused on. Because in a world that we live in right now, there's so much negativity. There's so much pain and there's so much unpredictability right now. And for young people that can be scary. And so I I try to help them to, To focus on that times of past where community was so important. Our community, the village, I try to focus on that village um, Mm -hmm. proverb and how it is so true. I grew up at a time where the village was very strong, where your neighbor, if you didn't speak to your neighbor, that was a a form of offense. It's like because they're the elder. They were considered elders in the community. And so we need to get back to that. We need to get to that village feel. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and you you are certainly doing that uh, and just when I was reflecting just as you were speaking, I was at there's a something called National League of Cities event uh last actually last year last last March, I was down in in d c uh re- representing a few of the city council people here in New Haven were members of the National League of Cities. And I sat at a table with uh high school students that were from uh Salt Lake City. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. <laughs> and, and
1: uh, uh and, and they were just talking about teen suicide mm. you know among their friends. Just how to yeah. stay hopeful. They were they're talking about the homeless, the homelessness, yeah. their friends, friends that were homeless. Uh so so I really uh you know that, that stood out my mind about that they're grappling at that young age yeah. with problems that we have not as adults <laughs> had an impact on solving.
2: Well, we as adults are part of the problem <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that that, you know, some as we continue to grow and become adults, we leave that innocence of childhood behind because of some of our life's experience. And as we get older, we we kind of get jaded. And that's mm-hmm. why I try to speak to the youth and their their innocence to try mm-hmm. to hold on to it as long as they can.
1: hmm. And and again, as as we take another three or four minutes, Tammy, uh, the best place for people to kind of reach out, find out about the Connecticut Trail, supporting, uh, attending, sharing information, donating?
2: Um, That would be the ctfreedomtrail.org is the website where you can find out information about the Freedom Trail, how to submit sites that you think should be a part. Um, Once we receive those letters of intent, I go out and investigate to see if they qualify to be a part of the Connecticut Freedom Trail. Um the Freedom Trail is housed out of the old state house at 800 Main Street and um it is in partnership with the DECD State Historic Preservation Office and Connecticut Democracy Center.
1: And let's give let, let's give a shout out Tammy to a uh 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 chaz Charles Warner Jr.
2: Yes Charles chaz. Warner Jr. Who is the chairman of the Connecticut Freedom Trial. He has um been, he took the what's it called what is it called? When you pass it, the torch. <laughs> he took the <laughs> torch from um Al Martyr. And um so he is the current chairman of the Connecticut Freedom trial You'll see all of our pictures on the website. So if you go to the website you'll see the chairman, the coordinator, and the outreach director.
1: And, and certainly a, a torch, a, a mantle, a, a burden, an albatross, a cross. I mean, no one, in, uh, in terms of, as we conclude about the um, Mr. Martyr, 101 years old, and I was reading a little bit more about his uh, his background. I've known him over the years. And just his, and we, and we were talking about young people, but at an early age, at an early age, he he he, he, he crafted his his journey at an early age i mean at a very early age uh, thought that he could make an impact on society and 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 he did in so many ways yeah. uh and i think that that's that's the hope that we can we can we can contribute you can contribute yeah. Uh,
2: yeah because of his vision and um senator or Honor, honorable mm-hmm. um tony tony hart because of their vision I exist. So (laughs) the outreach director position exists because of that vision. The trail in Connecticut exists. And because of their vision, the stories that have been hidden in Connecticut are becoming much more available to the public because uh, the black and African-American community played a very big role. In Connecticut, being the state that it is, Uh, even going back to the Rev War. And I would like to take the opportunity to ask different organizations to focus on the 250th that's coming up in 2026. Don't wait till the end, till the time comes. We should start now. And we need to focus on the contributions that Black and African Americans played. In the role in Connecticut. Um, a big event that is happening June, the week of June 15th, the weekend of June 15th, there is going to be a, a grave rededication of the Newton family. Marion, that is Newton. Um, Alexander Newton and Stephen Newton. Stephen and Alexander, and this is all at the uh, work of John Mills, who is uh, mm-hmm. owns the Alex Brown Corporation, and they are part of the Connecticut Freedom Trail. We will also have, and that's through the New Haven Museum, the Connecticut Freedom Trail, and the Connecticut Old State House, another partnership where it is going to be um, a film being shown by Dolly Marshall. She's a Black filmmaker. Who does a story on Alexander Newton? And then there's going to be that rededication. And Stephen and um, his brother Alexander were, um, or regimental soldiers. Um, they were colored soldiers. Mm. I think Stephen was 54th, and Alexander was definitely the 29th. Don't quote mm. me for Stephen. That would be John Mills' department. But mm-hmm. um, so that's an event that's happening in New Haven. And part of it will happen at the old state house because I also do a podcast called Conversations at Noon mm-hmm. every fourth Tuesday of each month. And Dolly and John will do that Conversations at Noon on the 25th of June, but July, June 15th, that weekend. And then there's also a big event with the descendants of the 29th mm-hmm. that is going to happen mm-hmm. June 22nd. Mm-hmm. So, Cresculo Park and that monument that Ed Hamilton created in behalf mm-hmm. of the remembrance of the 29th. A lot of people don't realize the Connecticut 29th exists. There's the 29th, the mm-hmm. 30th, 31st, and I think 33rd. So there were three different, three or four different regiments of colored soldiers who fought for this country to um, be united and get away from enslavement. And a lot of them came from right here in Connecticut.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Tammy, thank you so much. So basically we're going to have to do another show in April or May to kind of just, <laughs> sure. that, that, that. that's what, that's what I heard. That's, that's what I heard. That's, you
2: just let me know, and right. I will I, be here, sir. All right.
1: that that's what I heard. That's what we're going to do, Harry. Just let me know. We have about thirty seconds, so that means he's going to, he's going to kick us off. And I'm not sure what comes on at twelve o'clock. I'm sure it's worth gotcha. listening to. But I'm glad that we people have had a chance to listen to us, and particularly yes. to listen. Thank you. To listen to you, Tammy. Thank thanks you. To, thank you, dear.
2: I appreciate you, sir. Thank you oh, very much.
0: brother who finally got it right let's face up each other black brown yellow blue white let's cherish all the color instead of spitting spite the highest we you are listening to The Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.